Hello, this is Kalia in 2020. What you are about to hear is the remastered version of the episode that you clicked on. Why? Well, it turns out that when I started this podcast, I got some incorrect information regarding copyright law and fair use policy. After nearly two years of making content, this oversight was brought to my attention. There was mild panic, lots of guilt, and then a few fervent nights doing research. It seems we might exist in this gray, nebulous area of fair use for critique and commentary, and thus our use of a teeny tiny bit of the music from the soundtracks of the movies that we are critiquing and commenting on might be allowable. But then again, it might not. So a few things. One, I don't want to be a jerk, even accidentally. Two, I think it's important to acknowledge when you mess up. But three, and this is key, I think acknowledging your mess up isn't enough. You have to rectify the situation if possible. And guess what? It's totally possible to go back into these old episodes and clip out the maybe legal, maybe just slightly crappy bit of audio and replace it with a bit of music created just for me by the same composer and performer who made us our theme music, which is what I'm going to do. And since I can't help but tinker just a smidge, I might clean up a teeny tiny bit of audio noise while I'm in there. I mean, I've learned a lot over the last two years, and who knows, you might be stumbling upon this podcast feed years from now. So why should your present day ears be punished? Because way back in time, I hadn't yet found the noise reduction button. Anyway, without further ado, here is the podcast you came here for. Just slightly better. Thanks for listening. A quick note before we get started today. Our episodes are recorded in advance to when they drop. So when we recorded this, we had no way of knowing that there was going to be the tragedy of George Floyd's death and the reaction of the community at large. We do not reference at all the current protests that are happening in our country, but I wanted to take a quick moment to tell all of our listeners that we at Pages and Popcorn Podcast stand with the Black community and stand with Black Lives Matter. Please consider donating to Black Lives Matter, the bailout funds, the local ACLU chapters, or any other liberal organizations who are helping to make the world safer for everyone, especially our Black and Brown community members. Thank you. It's the Pages of Popcorns Podcast. Special guest. It's the Pages of Popcorns Podcast. Special guest. Burn Kelly are gonna talk, so you better damn well listen. Hello and welcome to the Pages and Popcorn Podcast, the podcast where I, Kalia, a huge book nerd, talk about movies based on books. But I know you didn't just sign in to hear my exciting voice. That's why I have an alternating roster of fun and exciting people to talk to. And today we will be talking to Chris again back from And the Band Played On, today to talk about Love, Simon, with me. But first, I want to remind you that you can reach us at pagesandpopcornpodcast at gmail.com, and you can find us on the social media platforms, Facebook, and occasionally Twitter, at Pages and Popcorn Podcast. So, one last thing, if you all could spare a moment to find us on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you use to listen to us and rate and review, that would be great. It will definitely help spread the word and get new listeners like you. So please go and do that. Without further ado, today we will be discussing 
the 2015 YA book Simon vs. the Homeo Sapiens Agenda, which was adapted into the 2018 film titled Love, Simon. We will not be discussing the spin-off television series Love, Victor. Just so you know. I am going to do my uh, synopsis. So, book synopsis. Simon Spear is a closeted gay 16-year-old student in his junior year of high school with a fondness for musical theater who lives in a suburb of Atlanta, Georgia. Unbeknownst to his family and friends, Simon has been sending emails to a person going by the name of Blue, who he met via a Tumblr post about feeling lonely. Simon uses the pseudonym Jacques. Blue is also gay, and the two bond over this as well as other things in their emails. They get closer and closer, and Simon starts to fall in love with Blue, even though neither of them know who the other one is. However, Simon's secret suddenly falls under siege when Martin, a goofy theater nerd, blackmails Simon into helping him. See, Martin wants to get with Simon's friend, Abby, and so if Simon doesn't help, Martin is going to show everyone the emails and out Simon and Blue. Martin is a jerk-faced asswipe. Simon has two other best friends, Nick, who plays soccer and also likes Abby, and Leah, who's slightly overweight and has been in love with Nick for forever. So, of course, she isn't super fond of Abby. And then, of course, there's Abby herself, who's relatively new to the school and to the friend group and is loved by everyone. There are also a few other side characters, like fellow soccer players Bram and Garrett, who each lunch with our main group of people. There's theater, perform um, there's theater kids, like the perfectionist and super annoying talented girl named Taylor. The drama teacher, Mrs. Albright. Simon, of course, has two parents and two sisters. And, of course, Blue, the enigma, the pen pal love of Simon. Anyway, so Simon drags his feet with the helping of Martin get with Abby because he feels really weird about it, understandably. Eventually, though, he starts to invite Martin to hang out with them at the waffle shop where they can practice their lines for the upcoming play of Cabaret. No, sorry, their upcoming play of Oliver. <laughs> it was Cabaret in the movie. <laughs> in um, the movie. Okay. Martin starts to woo Abby with some moderate success. Simon spends considerable time trying to figure out who Blue is and has a bunch of theories. Eventually, Blue comes out to his dad and Simon, inspired, comes out to Abby. She takes it in stride. But misunderstanding their new closeness for romantic overtures, Martin gets pissed and follows through it with his threat to out Simon. So now, Leah is pissed that Simon told Abby first and not her. Abby is pissed because she finds out that Simon was trying to set her up with Martin vis-a-vis -vis the blackmail. Blue knows who Simon is and stops talking to him as much, which is a huge blow, huge blow to Simon's ego, understandably. And Simon is, of course, outed. He gets some mild bullying and Taylor and Mrs. Albright come to his aid. Other kids are more supportive. There's another theater kid who's apparently bi, but not blue. And of course, there is the school play, school talent show, school carnival. The school does a lot of things. Whatever. Backtrack just a smidge. Simon comes out to his family, and it goes pretty well. There's a tough moment with his dad, who's been making gay jokes for years, but they eventually reconcile. Simon gets taken to a gay club by his friends as a sort of peace offering. Everyone is getting over being mad. Simon gets flirted with by an older dude, a college dude. And then Simon gets super drunk and is properly punished for this by his parents. Whatever. Blue has given Simon a gift of an Elliot Smith t-shirt and his number, and the two finally connect on the Tulsa Whirl at the carnival. Turns out, it's Bram, the cute soccer playing player Bram. Simon is smitten. The two are adorable together, and eventually Bram comes out to people as well. Leah gets less mad when it turns out that she's a secret badass drummer and part of an all-girl band with Simon's younger sister, and um, Nick and Abby end up together also. And uh, Simon, oh, gets to yell at Martin, who tries to apologize, but Martin 
is not let off the hook, thank goodness. The book has a happy ending with a Simon and Bran makeout session and Simon knowing his parents are going to set down some ground rules. The end. Basically. Okay, so that was the book. And then they made the movie. The movie, Love, Simon. It is a 2018 American romantic comedy film. Centers around Simon Spear, a closeted gay high school boy who's forced to balance his friends, his family, and the blackmailer threatening to out him to the entire school while simultaneously attempting to discover the identity of the anonymous classmate with whom he has fallen in love online. So here's our synopsis. Simon is a closeted gay student. He's living in a suburb of Atlanta, Georgia. He's a close and loving family, as well as three best friends, Nick and Leah, who he's known most of his life, and the newcomer, Abby. One day, Leah informs Simon about an online confession of a closeted gay student at their high school, known only as the pseudonym Blue. Simon starts communicating with Blue via email using the pseudonym Jacques. The two confide personal details and form a connection. However, their emails are accidentally discovered by another student, Martin, who's infatuated with Abby. After learning his secret, Martin blackmails Simon by threatening to make his emails public unless he agrees to help Martin win over Abby. Simon begins to suspect that his classmate Bram is blue. So this is where we get our first big departure. <clears throat> At a Halloween party, Simon attempts to connect with Bram, but later walks in on him making out with a female student. During the party, Nick confides in Simon that his feelings for Abby. Simon lies to Nick, telling him that Abby has a boyfriend in college. Uh, Leah walks a drunk-ass Simon home, where she speaks vaguely about how she feels she's fallen in love with one person and she'll love them very intensely. Simon believes she's referencing, referencing Nick. Also, his parents know he's drunk, but there's absolutely no consequences. Simon meets up with Abby and Martin at a local diner he, after he convinces them to practice lines together for the upcoming school musical Cabaret. Simon bonds with their server, a classmate named Lyle, and believes maybe Lyle's blue. That night, Simon comes out to Abby and is relieved when she reacts positively. At a school football game, Simon crosses paths with Lyle, but before he can summon the courage to ask if Lyle is blue, he finds out that Lyle is actually interested in Abby, because everybody is interested in Abby. An upset Simon tells a protest, a pestering Martin to either go big or go home when courting Abby. Martin interrupts the national anthem best part in the entire movie, just as a bear stealing the microphone away from Taylor and publicly declares his feelings for Abby. When Abby admits that she does not share those feelings, Martin is publicly humiliated, becomes the subject of intense ridicule. On Christmas Eve, to distract people from his own humiliation, Martin outs Simon by posting his emails on the school gossip site. Simon's sister Nora tries to comfort Simon, but he shuts her out and does not return his friend's frantic texts and calls. Simon comes out to his parents on Christmas morning to their surprise, but acceptance. After the holidays, Nick and Abby are now a couple, and they angrily confront Simon about the lies that he told and learn that he had tried to keep them apart due to Martin's blackmail, but they're still pretty pissed. Leah confesses to Simon that she was not in love with Nick, after all, but Simon. She's also upset that he came out to Abby first. After being rejected by his friends, Simon receives a final email from Blue, who's upset that their emails have been leaked. Blue tells Simon that they should stop speaking and deletes his email account. Simon is devastated, having lost his friends, as well as the mystery pen pal that he has fallen in love with. In the cafeteria, Simon and openly gay student Ethan are mocked by two classmates. Ethan and Simon bond over the difficulties they face coming out. After his mother reaches out and comforts him, Simon apologizes to Leah. Simon posts a confession on the gossip site, apologizing to his friends, seeking out Blue, and asking him to meet at the school carnival. After the school musical, Leah, Nick, and Abby make amends with Simon and invite him to go to the carnival with them. Waiting for Blue at the carnival, Simon rides the Ferris wheel over and over and over again, drawing a huge crowd of peers. 
When Simon runs out of tickets, Martin, making amends for his behavior, buys him one more ride. Just before the ride begins, Bram sits next to Simon, revealing himself as blue. The two kiss. The kiss that Simon saw at the female student was a drunken misunderstanding. So they ride the Ferris wheel together, and they kiss, and everybody in the entire school cheers them, and Simon's life gradually returns to normal. He begins a relationship with Bram. Everyone is happy. The end. So there you go. Okay, so I'm trying to remember, was the Ferris wheel scene in the book, too? No. In the book, there was an early story that Blue told about being on a tilt-a-wheel, and it made him nauseated. And so they meet, they actually get on a tilt-a-wheel at the carnival in the book. In the movie, it's the Ferris wheel. In the book, it's all private. Like, then they know who each other are, but Bram doesn't come out. Like, nobody else knows for a while. And in the movie... It's a very public spectacle of Simon riding the Ferris wheel around in circles. Right, right. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of changes. I was actually very there surprised. Um, yeah. But before we get well, to that... Well, I mean, that, that being said, I mean, I mean, I understand when movies change things from a book because they're obviously trying to captivate a certain audience. So, like, the, the interest, one I thought was really interesting in the, in the Love, Simon movie was the dance sequence... <laughs> when when he was with the cheerleaders in school. I don't remember the song. Okay, so... That was not in the book at all. The the part where he's like, when I go off to college, I'm going to be super right. gay. And then he has, like, this whole flight of fancy, and he's imagining himself in his dorm, and his dorm room was like a rainbow threw up. And, like, and every... He's a terrible dancer. Right, and everybody's outside <laughs> wearing the rainbow colors, and there's this huge song and dance number, and he's like, well, maybe not that gay. That was funny. Totally not in the book. Yeah. That was one right. of... I will tell you all the moments in the movie where I laughed out loud were moments that were not in the book. And that's not to say the book wasn't good and didn't have funny or, you know, touching moments, but every, okay, like, I have a list, but like, at, when they're at the Halloween party and Nick is talking about sex and he's like, yeah, sex isn't what they tell you, it's all dark and slippery and things aren't where they're supposed to be and he's all awkward and fumbly, it was right. freaking adorable, right? Not yeah, in the yeah. book. Um, like we said, the song and dance number, uh, not in the book. Uh, Mrs. Albright. My God, this drama teacher who's like making these little sarcastic comments and just like her, her whole vibe was hilarious and not in the book. So well, it was different in the book. It, she was in the book, but she was it just, was different. You know what I real what really bothered me? Now, first of all, I love the book. Mm-hmm. I love, love, love the book, and I I love the movie. Yeah. Um, for different reasons. Yes. I prefer the book, but it was a, I thought it was a really, really good adaptation. Except, well, there's a few things, but yes. the principal, the vice principal in the movie, oh my god. Dude, my note is why, why, why? <laughs> yeah, I still can't figure that out. I, like I said, I understand why some things get added to a movie to make it flashy or whatever. Mm-hmm. I did not understand the point of his character. And it actually kind of offended me because throughout the movie... You're supposed to, or you're led to assume this guy's gay because he keeps saying, I identify with you, Simon. We share a lot in common, blah, 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 blah. And the, and the audience and, is led to believe he's gay. And he's like overcompensating. Oh, yeah, I met some girls on Tinder. Like he's right. trying so hard and he's kind of infeminate with his squeaky voice and he's like, and he's prissy and he's just, and, and like he doesn't connect to people. Yeah, you have this, this weird vibe. First of all, he's, a grown-up talking about his sex life to students, exactly. so not cool. And then 
yeah, it, he's totally coded, but then he's not, or maybe he, I don't know, like, he, he's definitely closeted if he is. And then what really bothered me about, okay, he had two horrible moments. One was when Martin, uh, you know, says in front of everybody, I like you, Abby, let's date. He's like, say yes, say yes, say yes, which is part of that toxic thing that, you know, girls aren't allowed to say no because it might hurt the boy's feelings. So that was exactly. stupid. But the other thing was when the bullying happened, he brings Ethan and Simon into the office to, you know, he gets after the bullies, which was good. He brings Ethan and Simon in and he assumes that they're boyfriends and he will yeah, not. I hated that. He will not be dissuaded that they're not, despite the fact that they're like, no, we're not together. He's like, that oh, was really offensive. whatever you want to call it. Oh my God. So it start. the scene starts with him supposedly being tolerant and, and, for these boys and supporting them and then he says in the middle of it he assumes they're boyfriends and when they say they aren't he doesn't just say oh i'm so sorry i messed that up he goes on with it and says well okay whatever meaning of course you're the two gay guys at this mm -hmm. school which is pretty hard to believe in the first place but you're the only two gay guys and of course your boyfriends i did like in the book and i don't think this was in the movie how there were some lesbian students yeah. at the school but not in the movie yeah, they weren't in the movie. And then the book, um, the theater boy, Cal, come, you know, they, he figures out that he's bi, but he's right. not interested. But, he, you know, at first he thought Cal was pretty smoking and awesome until he realizes he's not blue. And then he's like, oh, okay, whatever. You know, but I, I actually liked that, too. I liked, first of all, yay for bi representation. And also that he, he didn't go, well, I guess you're bi and I'm gay, so we automatically have to be together. Like, he was already self-aware enough to be like that that's not enough i want the person that i have this emotional reaction to you know well, and the cal character is major in the book i mean he yeah. talks he goes he thinks for the longest time that that's who blue is um and i know the movie went a different way where they're picking and choosing okay now we're gonna think it's this one now and the interesting part of the movie was they chose bram number one to say oh it must be him and and then of course they threw you off because they went on to one, two, three, four more people. Mm -hmm. But I thought the Cal character should have been more explored in the movie because as a gay guy myself in school, I always thought there was that one guy that wasn't talking just like me. And that's what I found so interesting about the Cal character in the book because I related to the fact that, and not, the, not to mention it's in the drama club, which I was in the drama club too, is that you think, oh, that guy must be the one, but you never ever talk about it. He doesn't talk about it until he's absolutely forced to. Right, exactly. No, and, and they introduced this Lyle character in the movie to be one of the many people that he thinks might be blue. You know, um, just right. some random other guy who's infatuated with Abby because, you know, apparently everybody likes Abby. Um, the other big change that they did, well, yeah, so the, he, he suspected Bram early and then, you know, that whole thing with the kiss, which, okay, I don't know. But they Wait, had what this, thing with the kiss are you talking where about? Where they had Bram kiss a girl at the party, and then, the, oh, so it must not be blue. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What I thought was interesting, this really important line in the book that they didn't put in the movie, was when he realizes that it's Bram, and Bram is black, and he's like, wow, it never occurred to me that you'd be black. Like, why is the default white just like why is the default straight? Like, they have this whole conversation about it, and I thought that was really really key and they they touched on that a little bit in the movie where when he's imagining this mystery guy it's a white guy typing at a laptop and then it's you know superimposed with whoever he thinks at the time it might be but his default was totally white but he never was self-aware enough in the movie to be like dude my default doesn't need to be white whereas in the book True. simon has this moment of being like 
hey, actually, you know, why did I assume that? So I thought that was... Yeah, that's absolutely true. But you know what I really liked in the movie that was not in the book that relates to what you're talking about is the scene where they have to come out to their parents as straight. Oh, my um, God, I love that scene. <laughs> as a gay guy, and I don't know if you as a bi person think used to think when you were younger, why doesn't... I, I used to think that exact thought. Why doesn't everybody have to come out mm -hmm. as who they are? I wrote a short story when I was like 16 about <clears throat> of, of another dimension or another universe or whatever it is where I was openly gay and that was the normal thing and my parents were so accepting when my boyfriend came to pick me up but they didn't quite understand the straight kids in the neighborhood uh, um, so so that is something that I think every gay bi LGBTQ kid thinks of why do I have to have the responsibility of coming out when they don't because it's just as random who's straight who's gay who's lesbian who's bi who's queer whatever Mm-hmm. No, so I, I really liked that in the movie. I loved that. And I loved that scene of all the different parents' reactions, you know, like the horror and the like the funny. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that was so that was one of those laugh out loud moments that wasn't in the book, but was just yeah. filmed incredibly well. Um, so I thought the movie did a lot of really good changes. They did they did one thing I really didn't like though, is they changed it so that Leah liked Simon, not Nick. And I didn't like that Okay, change. so there I'm going to go right against you because <laughs> I thought that's what they should have done in the book. No. And that's I... just my personal experience because the girlfriend of the gay guy is always in love with the gay guy in real life. That's just always the way it happens. That would have been fine if it had just been the two of them. But you have Nick in there too and the three of them have been friends forever. And what I liked was in the book, she likes Nick. Nick doesn't like her. And she has to, like, accept that. He just, he doesn't like her. And, like, she right. has to become okay with that, which that's a coming of age. That's important. In the movie, she likes Simon. Simon's not available because he's gay. So it has nothing to do with, she doesn't have to learn to accept that maybe I'm just not the person for you. It's maybe I'm just not the gender for you. Does that make sense? It's like a, it, it right. gives it a pass almost. And then, and then she is going to be that, that fag hag girl, you know what I mean? And I thought that it, she was a much more complicated character in the book because um, she was overweight. She had her issues. She like, um, but she also like brought cake for everybody's birthday. She had like rules about right. this and that. Like she was interesting. And then she was a drummer in a band. Like, so she actually had some autonomy and some other stuff. And I just. Yeah, because they left that part out in the movie completely, didn't they? Her mm -hmm. band stuff, which I really really liked in the book yeah i really really liked that and you're absolutely right she was a much more complicated character and I, in the book i i guess for me it's just from my personal experience and all the other gay guys i know whoever your girlfriend is in high school they're in love with you it's just that's just the way it happened yeah so i i guess i connected with that but i think you're right she's so much more complicated than and I just thought that she she came into her own as the drummer. She came into her own as a as a person. And and again, like this whole book is about friendship and it's about growing up. And I think learning that someone might not be into you because it's because they're into someone else. And it has you know what I mean. It isn't just a gender. And it, I just I think that yeah, that's an and important I, I lesson. I think another another aspect of that that's really interesting is that as a gay boy, which I was, you think kind of rightfully so I guess that everything in the world is about you <laughs> because you really you can't be who you are so you're always trying to navigate the territory and in the book the, the fact that Leah comes out at the end as a drummer in a band has this secret identity for this that we didn't even wasn't even hinted at in the book we had 
no clue. Right. And then at the end, she explodes on the scene as who she is in such a triumphant way. Kind of, um, kind of exaggerates the difference between a gay kid and a straight kid who is accepted for being straight, but maybe not for these other things that she's doing. And she does it in the background. And she's not thinking the whole time. Well, I guess she was thinking a little bit. I don't know if I can do this. But not to the same degree as the identity of a gay boy. I really like that juxtaposition. Right. Well, and also, like, Simon spends so much time, as a lot of gay kids do, protecting his secret and being obsessed about his secret that he doesn't ask questions of his friends or try to get to know them in a deeper level. Like, in the book, they made a bigger deal about this, too. He didn't know why Abby moved from Washington to see why. Well, she knew. He had, he had not even occurred to, to ask her. And I think part of it was just because he's a boy, right? And guys, like, don't whatever but like part of it is because he's so wrapped up in his own stuff and his secret and holding things close to the vest that if you ask someone an intimate question that kind of gives them license to ask you an intimate question that's scary we're not gonna do that oh no 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 whereas you know in the book he realized god i haven't always been the most aware of my friends like they all have internal lives and struggles too and that was so apparent when leah and his sister nora show up in this kick-ass band like Damn, you know, and I think yeah. that, that kind of I, I think him. there was a little bit of it in the movie, a little bit, not to the degree it was in the book. Mm -hmm. And I actually noticed that a lot because I think I might have been the same way when I was a young teenage gay boy that, that was not out because, I mean, I, I grew up in a different time. I grew up in the 70s when I couldn't be out. So it was a lot more that uh, there was no way there was another gay kid in the school. There was. But the, what was interesting about who was the, the flamboyant student? Ethan. In the, Ethan. So the, what was interesting about Ethan is that that kid existed even in the 70s when I was in school, but never as an out, strong, powerful gay person. Never. They were always in the background. Everybody knew they were gay because they were flamboyant and they were, you know, harassed and blah, 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 but not to this degree. Um, so... I experienced it where I didn't really think that much about all of my friends' drama because to me, the only drama was I couldn't be myself and I can't have an identity and they have an identity. So in a way, fuck them. I hate to say that, but really that's what you're thinking as a gay kid. You have so many privileges, to use the current word, <laughs> that I don't have. Right. Um, and I can never have as a gay kid. So and I understood it, but it was so offensive to me when he did that in the movie. And I, I, I understand how those those other people were offended by that. And I saw that in myself, in my youth, in a way. Yeah. No, and I, I think that, I mean, self-centeredness is a teenage thing. I think it just gets ramped up if you are a, a kid who's hiding a secret and isn't able to be your authentic self and doesn't have a support system. Like, it just everything is bigger. Do you know what I mean? Right, um, right. But, I mean... I think most teenagers are mildly self-centered anyways. That's part of being a teenager. Um, right. But, you know, I love the fact that Simon had a soft place to land. You know, this this was a happy, wholesome movie. His parents were accepting. Um, in the book, we had more of a thing with his dad with the gay jokes, and then they had to have a moment. He, like, yells at his dad, and I thought that was kind of cathartic. In the movie, it was very saccharine, almost. Right, um, right. But that's that's good and i read some reviews that were like oh no this is like unrealistic and and you know this is not relevant because you know most kids have trauma when they come out but i was like well sure but isn't film supposed to maybe sometimes um be <laughs> like aspirational like shouldn't it be that you fall on soft places that like your family loves you anyways and it's okay like don't we need to see that 
so that people know that that is a reality and we can work towards that reality. I, I liked the and fact. It's, it's his story. It's this kid's particular story. Yes. This kid had accepting parents. What's like, what's interesting about that is this kind of the same thing that's interesting about all other gay kids is that even though he had accepting parents, if you take that out of the equation, if you don't look at his accepting parents, and even they had issues when he came out in the movie and in the book, mm-hmm. even though they were accepting, they had some questioning. If you take that out, the struggle of the gay kid is almost the same as the struggle of the gay kid who doesn't have an accepting environment. So then you have to internalize that the struggle is really about who you are as a gay person, an LGBTQ person in society, against society, and how safe is that? Yeah. And even though he had accepting parents, I agree with you that the jokes in the book I really like that because that's real, and they and they did it in the movie a little bit, maybe to like twenty five percent of what they did in the movie, I read in the book. Um, so that was important because straight people all the time make jokes around gay people and they don't, that they don't realize they're gay. Right. Um, and but was- I think it's perfectly legitimate for this kid Simon in this book and this movie in a privileged upscale environment to have the struggles that he has. Mm-hmm. We can't always suggest and condemn people who are in a wealthier or privileged environment that they don't have struggles to, they do. They're not the same mm-hmm. as, as as kids or people in, in underprivileged situations, but they still struggle. Yeah, for sure. And I like that. I mean, in the book, he even says, like, it probably wouldn't be that big of a deal. My parents seem pretty, you know, progressive, and we live in this, you know, and there's, like, the school, I'm sure, would be okay. But I don't want to because... I don't want to yet, and it'll change how everybody views me forever and ever, and I can never go back to to being that other person. Like, that'll be And that's now the key. My that's defining. the key. When you come out, you can never, ever go back. Mm-hmm. Once you come out, it's over. I mean, like, when I came out, I came out to my parents and then my family and then some friends, but I had that in my the front of my consciousness every moment that the next person I come out to, I can't go back. And you can't. Once it's done... You can't go back. So there's this protection of being a closeted gay person where, which is valid in one way and invalid in another in that I don't have to go forward because I can stay in this space. But once you get step out of that space, there's absolutely no going back. Yeah, for sure. And I liked, I think that the book did a really good job of explaining and giving us, you know, getting us into Simon's head. The movie did a good job too, but I just, I really like some of the elements in the book that the book was deeper than the movie. The movie was funnier than the book. They're both right, really right. good, but very, but different, you know, and, and that's why they're adaptations, I suppose. Um, I did also like, um, I thought what happened with Martin was really interesting. So in the book, Martin sees Abby and Simon kind of all over each other, assumes the worst, and outs him in this like horrible way, and then feels bad and writes this really long email about how bad he feels, and he tries to talk to Simon, and at one point Simon yells at him, he's like, you know, that's not, you're right, you took this away from me, My, it was supposed to be me deciding, and, and, and you know, Martin writes this long letter, and he's not getting let off the hook, right? You know, Simon is right. justifiably very angry. In the movie, they made the inciting incident of why Martin outs him much bigger, which of course makes sense, um, right. you know, for film. Although I liked that it was this very small thing 
in the book. It was like so petty and little, and that's that's teenagers, right? They blew everything out of proportion. So I right. found it super believable that he would like misconstrue like one weird afternoon and then be like, well, blah 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 blah. So um Yeah, yeah, totally believable in the book, but I agree with you, totally powerful in the movie the way they did it. Because right. Especially in today's society, it's totally believable that this Martin character would go out there like an idiot, grab the microphone, <laughs> and um, propose in a way to Abby yeah. in front of the whole school, and she would be totally shocked. I think that's totally believable. And it, it obviously in the movie leads to a clear um, understanding of why he went back for Simon because he was so ridiculed yeah. publicly on social media. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then again, we have that we have the good scene of him trying to apologize to Simon in the parking lot and Simon being like, no, fuck you. Like you stole this thing from me. I can never get it back. I love that. But then because it's Hollywood and it's the movie, Martin gets to show up at the end and pay for one last ride on the Ferris wheel <laughs> and like have this yeah. little moment where like, oh, he's not that bad. And I'm like, that's fine, but I'm still pretty bitter. <laughs> like... Yeah, I agree with you on that. I thought that went too far when Martin stepped in at the end of the movie. I didn't like that part at all. I wish it would have been resolved in a different way. But I did really like the Martin character in the movie as if you look at how you translate a character from a book to a movie. I thought that is exactly who I thought this kid was when he showed up in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very dorky and uh... <laughs> and bad at drama and oh, just... all that stuff. I did think the cabaret thing was kind of weird. I guess schools do cabaret now. I... It's a very highly sexual I... <laughs> LGBTQ play and I and a graphic and I can't believe they do it in high schools, but I guess they do. It did surprise me that they changed it from Oliver to Cabaret. I guess Cabaret is Yeah, why do you think that is? Because I thought Oliver was a really good choice because obviously schools do Oliver. Why do you think well, and then, they chose to go with Cabaret. And with Oliver being, like, the outcast, right? And then Faggins right. Boys, and then that was part of the bullying in the book was that they made it Faggy Boys. And, you know, I mean, like, it lent itself really well. And I don't know. I guess because Cabaret is bigger and flashier and, and queer. And, and LGBTQ. Yeah, and, like... So I, maybe it's playing with these levels of what's acceptable gay is on the theater, like on the stage. That's pretend. Well, because like, the this book was real. only from 2015, and the movie yeah. was what from 2018. So it's only a three-year difference. Yeah, it was um, strange. I don't. I, maybe they couldn't get the I rights. I was jolted by that. <laughs> maybe. Oh, you're right. It could have been that. It could have been rights. Yeah, they just had to change it to something. I'm just glad it wasn't Oklahoma or like Miz. Right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Um, let's... I'm always glad when it's not like this. <laughs> always glad. Miserable um, is right in the title. <laughs> <laughs> um, what did you think about them going to the gay bar in the book? Oh, I love that. Because I did that. Mm -hmm. I mean, it didn't have half the same <laughs> results as it did in the book. <laughs> but I lived in Alaska when I turned uh, 18. And in, in Alaska at 18, you can go you, at your legal age. So we ended up in a bar. Um, so I know he wasn't of age in this book and he wasn't supposed to be there drinking, but it played out totally real for me that somebody a little bit older than he would grab onto this guy. I did think it was surprising but nice when the guy who had grabbed onto him and, and brought him into his crowd of friends, found when he found out that he was as the, the age that he was, he kind of pushed him away and said, go away, which never really happened. Right, returned him to you. his friends. Yeah, definitely yeah. the sanitized version of what would happen. 
I didn't really believe that part too much, but I liked it. I thought yeah. it was respectful. So I, I kind of liked that scene. I also really liked that he kept looking over at his friends who were, like, sitting over there just staring at him with their eyes. Like, they're like, right. oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. But, like, they're too afraid to do anything about it. Yeah. Yeah, because it's, as a young person in a place where there's booze, you're afraid to do anything. So that made perfect sense. It did. I really... What did you think about the fact that this book was written by a woman? Okay, so that, it surprised me, actually. I didn't even look at the at the author's name until I finished it. And then I was like, oh, I wonder if this author was queer. And then I was like, oh, this author's a woman. This author lives with her husband and children and blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, I'm not going to presume to know how she does or does not identify, but... Uh, but boy, she wrote a gay teenage character like, yeah, really, really well. Really well. And I think that this is one of those times when... Okay, I mean, okay, I know not everyone's going to agree with me, but I personally feel like if you write outside of your experience and you write it believably enough that people are surprised that it wasn't your experience, that to me is a sign of excellent writing, you know, at, at, oh, a, yeah. at a higher caliber. So if I were to write a story about being in World War II and being a soldier, that's obviously not my lived experience. And if, if you read it and went, wow, they must have found this, a soldier did such a great job of writing, and then that would take that as a compliment. If I write a really moving book about being a bi middle-class white girl in Fresno, and you're like, this is really cool, well, yeah, but that's also my life, right? Like, how much imagination did I need, you know? So the fact that this woman was obvious, I mean, I'm assuming she didn't transition, I guess maybe I should know that for sure, but like, wasn't a gay boy in Atlanta, you know, in Georgia, in the, in the aughts or the teens or whatever we call the 2000 teens. I thought she did a great job. It was super believable. And the way that they all talked and, and did stuff together seemed perfectly perfect to me. Yeah, and you know what I was thinking the whole time? Because I, I, I noticed about halfway through the book that it was a woman. Um, and I don't remember if that's because I was tipped off to it in some way. But I, I don't really look at an author when I start reading a book. I just read the book. Yeah. And then I saw she was a woman, and I went to the back of the book and, and read her little bio. And I'm like, okay. But it, I mean she really nailed this character and so I was thinking the whole time and I'm a writer you're a writer um, I was thinking well how would I deal with writing a young teen bisexual female story or queer female story could I do that and I don't think I could so it's interesting how she could do this now I don't know if she has a gay son or gay kids around her that she could do this or a gay um, friend maybe she was leah you know like afterwards i started yeah, thinking i was like true. oh i wonder if this was leah grown up you know and like writing this um but i'd like to pretend that it's not that she's just that good at writing and that she you know is, is aware enough and and wired in enough i although i will say there's there's one thing that she um a, a vocabulary thing I don't use Tumblr. It's not my thing. I'm on Instagram, sure. Twitter, fine. I don't even know what Tumblr is. So. Okay, TikTok, blah, blah, blah. Sure, sure, sure. But Tumblr is not ever a, something that I've ever used. But I have never heard somebody say, the Tumblr. It's always just Tumblr. I know. What was that? <laughs> I never understood that. I, I thought was maybe like, I was crazy. No, I was like, do people say the Tumblr? Is that like the new way of saying it? Did you look that it? up? Is that really what I, people say? I No, I didn't look it up. I guess I should. But no, everybody I know, and I don't know if you remember, at one point when we were working for Gay Central Valley, we when we were setting up our Twitter and our 
Facebook and our blah, blah, blah. We had a younger person who I won't name check um, because it could cause confusion, but she was like, oh, we should totally be on Tumblr. And she talked about Tumblr, but she never said the Tumblr, ever. Like, she <laughs> yeah, never exactly. said the Tumblr. I think I would have I remember remembered. That. So I just thought that was really funny. I was like, I guess I, I am. I thought at first it was a misprint. Then I read it, like, the fourth time, and I'm like, okay, it's obviously not a misprint. What right. is this? this it's you like should go check out the, tw- the internet or yes. something. It's like, what is this? Go look on the Facebook for my latest exactly. post. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. So I just found a couple of quotes from the author of Love, Simon, who is uh, Becky Albertalli. Albertalli, and yeah. she And she addresses the fact that she's a straight woman writing a gay teen. And uh, she says there are gay authors who get frustrated with any woman who are writing in this space about gay boys, whether the women come from the LGBT community or not. But I do think there is a particular tension when it comes from outside the community. You can do all the research in the world and you can be embedded. And those are things that I consider the bare minimum, but you can't strip away the privilege that you have. I'm not even sure (laughs) she's going with that, but- um, Maybe she's just acknowledging that, yeah, yeah. yeah, she said, it's really important for me and really important to me to follow the kinds of conversations that happen around diversity and representation and writing inclusive books. So um, sometimes I get kids who are not in a place where it's safe to come out, but they read the book and they feel less alone about it. So I think maybe she's just a really intuitive writer and yeah. she and she's has o- some experience with the community. And she's obviously an ally. So, you know, obviously that's good. Um, yeah, no, I think she did. And, there, and there's a sequel. And then a third one, and there's a spinoff. Like apparently, this is like a whole thing. I don't. Are you talking about the sequels of the book? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know that. Is that yeah. the Love Victor thing, or is that just no? The, Love the Victor is thing? a spinoff show, but there's a sequel to the book, which I guess goes like apparently. The only thing I read about it was that Martin and Simon eventually, um, like, come to terms a little bit. Although Simon's sisters and friends still hate Martin, <laughs> and also that it um, goes more into Leah and um other kids at Creekside or creek whatever they that mm. they live so yeah i was like oh interesting i'll have to check it out but apparently this is the is best that, of is the that the, the uh the upside of unrequited is yes. that a sequel to love simon yeah oh because yeah. i read that at the end of the book uh, the paperback version i didn't know it was a sequel yeah i just thought it was a different book no i think it continues this world so yeah, and the film rights have already been purchased for it so we for the sequel yeah, yeah. I, th- I i will say i mean um, when I read a book and then see a movie, the movie is almost always a disappointment simply because, you know, you can't really completely duplicate the world of a book. This one was pretty good. I thought, you know, with a couple of exceptions, they did a really, really good job. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I definitely agree. I I think that in the same vein of how they made Martin's humiliation worse, they made Simon much more of a dick in the movie. Um, which isn't to say he wasn't sympathetic and believable, but like, that's what you want. You want to, you don't want to marry Sue, right? You want someone who's going to make mistakes. He freaking lies to his friends, like to both of them. And he's like a major cock blocker for poor Nick, right? Like he's like, oh, she's got a boyfriend. Oh, she likes Martin. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it takes it to that level. In the book, I didn't quite get why Abby was so mad at him because he was, you know, being threatened to be blackmailed. And all he did in the book was invite Martin to a public place where they were going to be, right? That was it. That was the extent. And I don't even feel like that's not really matchmaking. Putting two people right, into Right, but a- look at it from a, the view of a teenage girl whose who's best friend is setting her up 
for a possibly bad situation or just a situation she didn't want. I totally got it. No, I mean, I get why she would be upset, but not as upset because she didn't have to do anything and Martin didn't do anything to her. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't like Simon right. put them at the Waffle House and then left them alone or anything. In the movie, though, he's lying to both of them and really being much more of a manipulative jerkwad. So I I got her, her anger. And then she wasn't as angry in the movie as she was in the book. So I was like, oh, okay. I but, think what it comes down to is she is, is he was... She's his best friend, supposedly, even though Leah's uh, longer. But she's kind of his best friend in the movie. I think it's the trust is broken when you are no longer thinking about what's best for Abby mm -hmm. and thinking about, let me fix this thing with Martin and Abby's the sacrifice. I right. got that in the book and the movie. I think, I mean, and if they these weren't teenagers, like the mature adult thing would have been for him to then go to Abby and be like, look, I'm, you know, to come out to Abby or not, but to, to say Martin's blackmailing me, this is what he wants. Exactly. I want you to know, like, I'm not going to help. Like, he's he's threatening something for me. So can you help me? Can you tell, you know, like, we can solve this together, but you're involved, you know? Right. And exactly. um, take the window. But as a teenage great gay boy, no, I mean, yeah, not. your yeah. barriers are there. Yeah. Yeah. He's not going to think to do that. I have to say, and I, I, God, to have a dad as hot as Josh Jamal, I'm sorry, <laughs> but oh my. His mom was Jennifer Gardner, and she's freaking beautiful. So oh, yeah. they were just both very, very beautiful people. And um, I guess this movie kind of has a little bit of everything for everyone. You got the daddy for um, those of us who are older, and you got, you know, <laughs> okay. Daddy's the right term. There yeah, I, yeah. Okay, so here's a little fun trivia thing. This is notable because it's the first film by a major Hollywood studio to focus on a gay teenage romance. Hooray! And Yay! it was happy. It was absolutely sad. So I love that. And it was a big hit, too. It, it was a theatrical hit. I mean, yeah. it was, this movie was major. It was. It was. And it did It did well, and everybody loved it. And it, it treated gay people, even though there's all the drama we've talked about, about the, the stuff he did to his friends and the drama as coming out. It treated gay kids as, I hate to say the word normal, but you know what I mean. Yeah. I just hate the fact that they had only two gay kids and gay students. Or, and they had a bi student, and they only have two gay students in the movie that I remember. Yeah, well, I mean, technically unlikely. three because Bram's gay, but like he doesn't come out until the oh, that's end. True. Yeah, and then sorry. Cal, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure Theater Boy with the eyelashes was definitely, yeah, that blonde. But in a way, the movie portrayed schools as still a bastion for straight people, mm -hmm. and a. a five or less gay people in a whole school in the modern age 2018 which come on that's not even possible yeah um i wish in the movie they had had some kids after he came out or was revealed to be gay start to come out and talk to him and and even if they didn't come out to the school say thank you i wish that had happened yeah that would have been nice the other the other aspect of it too is like i almost if you if you take out the tumbler um and you and you leave it <laughs> Or maybe, I don't know when the Tumblr started, but most of, in the book, it's emails, right? And email has been around right. forever. And there were message boards forever ago. They were in the 90s. Like, I remember there were message boards in the 90s and oh, stuff. Yeah. And so if you had put this book in the 90s with a message board instead of the Tumblr and emails and stuff, I, I then, then the proportion of gay to straight would not have 
phase me. But I'm like, oh, of course, okay, because this is the 90s and we're on the cusp. But you're right, like having it be contemporary, modern, current, it did feel a little like, mm, you got to suspend some disbelief here, you know, that they're the yeah, only Yeah, I just ones. tried to look up the, the Tumblr and all I can find is Batman's car. So I don't know. Oh my God. Yeah, I'm real, but I I was with you in the book. I'm like, what the fuck are they talking about? The Tumblr? I don't get it. It's like an 80 year old writing a teenage book. I just I didn't understand it, and I still obviously don't because I can't even find it when I Google it. Yeah, well, with the exception of that, also like there's not a lot of slang in the book, which was good because it keeps it a little evergreen and yada yada, but also makes it seem like it could have been plunked in a different time period, you know? Right. And then it would have been just as fine in another time period. Um, there wasn't True. a lot of, I mean, he had his phone, he was on his phone all the time, you know? But that could have been very easily dealt with, so. Um, but I, the, I mean, I think in the book and the movie, well, more so in the book, it was more generic kind of ways they had fun, like board games and stuff like that that oh, could or, fit in almost any era. And rolling the um, the chairs down the hallways of the empty school right. and like singing in the stairwells. I love those pits because that was high school for me, right? That I was a theater me kid too. too. Yeah, totally. So those things, and I went to high school in the 90s, not the 70s, but some of those things are very all universal. All right, all right. Did you all hear what she just said? She called me out for this. I agree with her, and she calls me out for the 70s when she went to school in the 90s. Yep. So do you think the author may have done that deliberately? To, or, or maybe things haven't changed that much? I don't know. It felt to me, when I was reading it, like, this is so relatable, and I'm 59, 50, oh my God, I'm 58, 58 years old. Um, and it was relatable to me, so I, I wondered why she, why and how she did that, if it was to relate to other people, or if maybe that's just still how things are. I just think that there's some very universal things in high school. Um, yeah. Something that is not universal, but tends to be universally accepted in high school movies, is high school parties. And right. Maybe I just went to the wrong high school. I mean, I went to parties in high school. I went to parties with drinking in high school, but they never looked like that. These oh, in the movie, you mean? Yeah, the way that Hollywood yeah, portrays... Yeah, I kept thinking, oh, oh, really? Who made your costumes? The Hollywood foreign press? Of, I mean, <laughs> who made your costumes in the movie? That's impossible. Nobody looked that good at, at costume parties. Nobody. Oh, and that house was so decorated. Yeah, they're leaving this afternoon. They're going to be gone for the weekend. So I'll just whip up these massive amounts of decoration and get beer yeah. like oh i was like no <laughs> i really i really hated that and i noticed that right away even before they went into the full party when the kids came together in their individual costumes i'm like give me a break there's no way you guys are wearing these costumes okay but i also really liked it he thought he was like jesus not john lennon jesus is, uh, john lennon yeah that, that was good that was hilarious and also um and of course and was it nick that had what was his costume he was Ronald, some, Ronald, soccer yeah soccer player yeah. on the back which, okay. that was believable that yes. he could just slap the name on the back on his back yeah right and then the other one was uh bram was barack obama retired version like <laughs> right <laughs> that was cute i thought I liked that. And then I am a dork, and it, this would not have happened in high school, I don't think, but I love the Freudian slip idea of Martin. Like, I thought that was funny, because that's the kind of puns I like. Oh, the Freudian, <laughs> his costume Freudian slip, yeah. But at the same time, well, no, I guess it works for a nerd kid. I thought, who would have the balls to wear a slip? Because, it, well, in my generation, and again, she pointed out I was from the 70s and not the 90s, I just want everyone to remember that. I want it to be highlighted and notated in this podcast um 
Nobody would have done that in my day and age. Nobody would have worn a girl, even a dress. Well, they might have worn a dress as a, but not a Freudian slip. I thought that was brilliant, though. But yeah. Yeah, I know what I'm going to be next year. Freudian slip? <laughs> it doesn't work for a girl, Kalia. It's funny. <laughs> it is funny. Yeah. Um, okay, so one of my last little notes is about the music. And... Um, I will tell you, having read and been very influenced by Perks of Being a Wallflower, which is also about a teenage boy, not gay, but a teenage boy dealing with, you know, he's dealing with trauma. Um, and it's all about the music and the music and the music and the unrequited this and that and blah, 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 blah. And the, the, the book gave me a few of those vibes because music to teenagers is so important yes we understand music to teenagers is important i don't know if you know this about teenagers but apparently music is very important to teenagers so um okay we get it and elliot smith oh my god i'm so glad it got changed and we didn't have to listen to elliot smith the entire movie that was a good change who is elliot smith i still don't know oh man okay it is the saddest most morose depressing music in the entire well, but world. they displayed it that way in the book i know oh, wait a minute he died when? He died at 34. He was a drinker and a drug user and was diagnosed with ADD, major depressed. Oh, already I'm out of here. Yeah. So I like that they changed. I like that instead it was like the Christmas songs, you know, and it was very light and cute. I mean, he had an Elliot Smith, I think, poster on the wall. So it wasn't like completely left out, but the music was better. It was different and it was right. It was just better. Because also, they wouldn't want to play the Elliot Smith music. No, God. I really like... Simon's bedroom the chalkboard paint on the walls is very cool okay so let's talk about that for a brief second give me a fucking break I guess I didn't know how privileged some young white kids are that they would have this kind of a bedroom I mean I would love to have had a chalkboard wall but his whole bedroom and the yeah. bedrooms and even Martin they were so covered and so decorated whereas for a lot of teenage kids sure there's some posters on the wall but there's a lot of white space too because they're stupid kids and they can't decorate the way you should i and i know it's a movie but that kind of took me out of the of the story yet yeah, the set design seemed a little excessive sometimes for right. sure and it was all right. about showing you that these are affluent children and i don't know i mean right. i was not an affluent child so i don't and i i was a teenager who shared a room with two toddlers so i definitely oh, didn't have my. walls let's of... do that podcast <laughs> anytime soon please i'm just saying like there was no you know, acres of posters and decor and fairy lights and right. blah, blah, blah. But I will tell you, as a upper middle white class, whatever person now, we're watching this movie and I was like, those chalkboard walls are rad. And, and <laughs> oh, my, I thought the same thing. And Matthew goes, yeah, we could totally do that for Ella's room when she gets older. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and you know that's just spray paint, right? You just have yes. to spray paint it on. Yes, I was like, that's amazing. so cool. I could like leave her messages and she could draw. Oh, yeah, do it, do like, it. Ugh. Okay, so the themes were friendship. They both did an excellent job. I, I love the shorthand the movie used, uh, like the aerial shots of them getting their coffee, iced coffee. Um, also, apparently we're, in Georgia, they have like no winter. They, they had like one day where they were in long <laughs> sleeves and then they were back to drinking iced coffee, so sure. Um, and then when he was alone, he had to go get his iced coffee by himself. And that was, that was kind of, it was funny, but also like, oh yeah, he's by himself. So I liked that. I liked the friends. I liked in the book where he would go over to his friends, like to Leah and Nick's and they'd play video games. And, um, it was just, it was very believable. It felt very real. 
the fact that his dog was named Bieber and loved his friends, you know, so much more than him. Sometimes I just like all of that was really good. Now um, the sister, his little sister's cooking thing, was that in the book? I'm trying no. to remember. No, because no. she really was, liked that. Yeah, it was very cute, and they took the older sister out completely, which was fine. Like she was fine. Oh yeah, yeah. But I mean, it you got to make cuts somewhere, so that's. I mean. I didn't like that. I thought she should have been in there. She she could have been a very small part, but I think it's important. I think she was important in the story. So. I like. I I get it. I like the fact that when like her part was that they would all watch The Bachelor together, and like his parents were like super into this reality TV and like talking about stuff, and I just I thought that was very cute. And I like that too. This whole little family unit and stuff. Um, yeah. Well. You know, I get that they have Which, to. You know, I, I don't mean to interrupt you there, but you know what that's inter- What makes that interesting is that the family unit all sat around and had this this pre-planned thing over and over to like watch reality TV. Which for a gay kid, it's ironic because it makes you feel part of the family structure, but at the same time, it makes you realize you're not who you are. Mm-hmm. So you're not really part of that family structure. So I really like that. Because there were things my family did as a group that I really enjoyed doing. But at every moment that I did it, I realized I'm not really who they think I am. Right. And if they only if they knew the truth, then I wouldn't be able to do this with them. And I wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. And dad wouldn't be making gay jokes about The Bachelor. Yeah. yeah. Probably. Probably. Hopefully not. Uh, depends on the dad, I suppose. But yeah, not Simon's dad, thankfully. No, I, I liked the family stuff. It, it was definitely established that it was a family that loved each other. And right. that was nice to see. You know, they weren't I snippy. love the scene in the movie where the, the father comes back to Simon when he comes back to the house and he's out working, doing some kind of construction thing. And he starts crying and he says, you know, I'm sorry about the gay jokes and I'm sorry I didn't see A, B, C, D. I really like that scene. Not that it relates to anything in my life, but... Mm-hmm. That, for me, I I cried openly during that scene in the movie because that, for me, as a gay kid, if I had had, the only thing I thought in my head was, oh, my God, if I had had that, what a wonderful world it would have been. Um, I cried openly through the book and openly through the movie. The the mom's scene with Simon made me choke up because she was so wonderful and and stuff. And I I love the stinger or the, yeah, the stinger at the end of the dad scene, though, where he's like, let's go sign up for Grindr together. Right, exactly. That was was a great joke, I thought, although I thought it was a little stupid, a little, I mean, of course, dad probably, but maybe he would. He's trying so hard to be, like, accepting and, like, he obviously doesn't know anything about It's not the gay Twitter, no. He he didn't say... (laughs) The grinder. <laughs> he should have the said grinder. the grinder. The tumbler. <laughs> the tumbler. <laughs> um, I'm going to put the in front of everything now. <laughs> um, the Kalia, the, the Chris, the podcast. Well, that works. Well, that works. <laughs> okay, so we talked about friendship. I, th- I think that they both did a really great job of showing friendship. They both did a really good job of sh- showing the ideas of growing up and kind of like what you have to lose when you grow up and how you really do become a different person and that's part of growing up and but you're a lot of your core stuff stays but you're allowed to evolve and change but you can't go backwards and so I think coming of age stories often deal with stuff like that and I thought that this one did well in the in the kind of tangentially related to the idea of growing up the idea that this is one part of Simon's life right okay so at the very end, the very like last shot of the movie, they're in their car, Simon's car, and they're driving away. And he's like, let's go on an adventure or whatever. And then the camera pans up to like reveal that there's a city off in the distance, which, okay, 
I, my, Matthew noticed this too. It's a really weird camera angle. It makes it look like you're like, ta-da, here's a city. Like, surprise. I don't know, whatever. But what I think what they were trying to do, I think, was to say that this is the suburbs. This is high school. This is small town. This is teenage years. And now there's a big world out there and there's a city and there's other gay people and there's so much you're going to experience and life is an adventure. And now as your true authentic self with your awesomely sexy hot boyfriend sitting next to you, like, go get it, you know? And I think, I think that's what they were going for. And I liked the idea of that, even though I think that the execution of that one last camera angle was just really kind of bizarre. So Yeah. And again, this goes back to the author, how she knows this, but I, totally relate to that because when I, I I hadn't really come out but my my the end of my high school years was in Alaska and we lived in uh, Eagle River and Chugiak which were very small communities Eagle River had no not even a traffic light and Anchorage was about 15 miles away and it was I hate to say this the big city even though it had not as many traffic lights as Fresno, but it was the big city. And that was the goal to get to the big city. Um, that's where the gay bars were. That's where life was. So I, I totally get that. Um, I appreciated that because I think any gay kid and any teenage kid at all thinks about, let me get out of whatever community this is and go to the big city. It's why LGBTQ people navigate toward the big cities and why we are so much more populous in those cities because we're not as accepted in the communities. And I thought that was in the movie kind of a nod to the bar scene in the book. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely got so, that. So, so it kind of worked. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, and I know in the, in the book, they say very early on where they're located. We're outside of Atlanta. We're in Georgia, blah, blah, blah. Okay, fine. In the movie, they didn't make it as big of a deal. Um, and so we kind of were trying to figure, like, Matthew looked at the, uh, I think it was the license plates. He figured it out by looking at the license plates because they don't really make a big deal about it. Nobody has accents. Okay, sure. Um, but, uh, and there was, and the weather. I was, like, very confused with the weather, too, as we're watching it. I was like, don't, yeah. whatever. Um, but I was going to say something, and I forgot what it was. Whatever. Anyways. We're yeah. talking about the big city. The big city. The so, town. yeah, the South. It didn't feel like a Southern book to me, but that's okay. It did not feel like a Southern area in the book or the movie to me. Yeah, really, really didn't. Oh, okay, so one little side character that, again, I know they have to leave people out. So they left Alice, the older sister, out. They they gave Miss Albright more lines, right? Okay, they left Taylor, the, the pretentious theater girl who's like super talented but also super annoying in the book she had this thing where she got really mad at the bullies and like went out and like was ready to like kick some ass and he was surprised that she would do this and i thought well okay maybe she's lesbian <laughs> maybe she's just protective i don't know maybe it's because she's friends with his sister but like something you know and i thought that was really kind of cool because wasn't she a cheerleader in the in the book I don't remember if she was a cheer Yeah, she was everything. She was like the star of right, this right. and the ball. You know, it was the, she was the beautiful girl. Yeah, the beautiful girl. Every high school. At mine, her name was Jennifer, the girl at my high school who was that girl. Of course, it always is. Jennifer. Yes. <laughs> but, um, like, okay. Jennifer or Lisa. Right. So she, they, they, they diminish her role, sure. And then again, they added in that vice principal character, and I just went, no. Boo, yes, boo. <laughs> Seriously. And we've already talked about it. And I love just, that actor. I love him, but. Right? He's, just, that was just wrong. Yeah. Just not okay. Just really bad. 
So I guess those are all my thoughts. We talked about friendship, growing up, being your authentic self. Um, and I, yeah. And Leah, I think, was better in the book. I love them both. They're different. I The book is really fast, so it's not like... It's not a, a torturous long read, you know? No, so, it's an easy read, absolutely. It's totally worth reading. The movie's totally worth watching. I think that people should read the book first and then watch the movie, but that's my preference, just because... I agree. The, I agree. the book is heavier. It de definitely gets into, you know, it's a little bit deeper. It's not quite so surface, and the movie had more comedic, you know, funny sight gags and... and ha -ha -ha. Yeah, if you read the book first, you, you, you're going to get the movie completely... But you're going to get some funny, upbeat stuff along the way that, you know, makes you smile and laugh. But it's not like the book. The book is the book is really the way to go. Yeah, for sure. And I liked that the, the Bram's coming out was not the, or them connecting was not the climax of the book. Like, there was falling action after that. It didn't just end as soon as he knew who he right. was. Um, there was more a little bit. And I liked that. It, it kind of centered it and it made it more about his friends and also about how that you know works when you've got a, a secret boyfriend at school and you're sitting there in class staring at the skin that you can see through the hole in his jeans and stuff. And I was like, oh, relatable content. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what I liked about the difference between Simon and Bram is that Simon is struggling from page one to figure out how to make this all work in his life and how to come out and all this. And Bram is, he's struggling, yes, but not aggressively like Simon is it, it, it easily depicts different kinds of gay people like I have to come out I have to come out I have to figure this out and I'm gay but I'm okay with doing it the slow way and, and it reminds you that there are different kinds of gay people and different tactics and different methods for coming out and that all of us LGBTQ people we all have a different way of coming out and that's okay yep and here's the soapbox thing listeners Coming out is a decision that you make, and it's a if and when sort of thing. So if you come out on coming out day or on a random Tuesday or Christmas morning with your family, when you come out, do it when you're safe. You don't have you don't owe right. the world your story until you are ready to tell your story. So we need to remind people, especially young people, that you have you have to be safe. And if you're not safe, it's okay to wait. Don't feel pressured because the world is telling you, come out, come out, come out, be who you are, which I say all the time. I say, I need you to be who you are. But I try to, every time I say that, say only if it's safe for you because you don't know if it's safe at home, mm -hmm. it's safe at work, it's safe in society. You have to do it your way, and it's okay to do it on your terms, and it's different for everybody. Right, which is why the the betrayal of Martin outing him is such a horrible, egregious thing and how and why I'm so glad that he wasn't just let off the hook. You know, this wasn't right. sitcom happy where there's a laugh track and then at the end everybody's best friends again. You know, I just, it's so good. And it's so fucking sneak, like gross, this whole blackmail thing. Although I have to say, okay, here's a question. Martin sits down at a computer. He, he knows that Simon was sitting there. What he sees right. on his screen though, is an email account that's open that's from Jacques and Blue. Hi, Blue, blah, blah, blah. Hi, Jacques, blah, blah, blah. He knows that it's Simon, but literally when he takes screenshots, it's just emails between two people. Like, how does that actually out Simon? Well, I think because 
if you're a student in a school and you're sitting at a computer and you walk away, I mean, I guess Simon could have played it off like, oh, I was reading other people's emails. Or what the fuck are you talking about? Right. I mean, because months later, here are screenshots of an email conversation between. So in, and that's how it was in the movie. It was literally screenshots of this email conversation that there's no proof that either of those people is Simon. In the book, what he did was he was like, hi, I'm Simon. My butt is open for gay butt sex, anal, or he called right. it anal butt sex, which, okay. And right, right. and I um, don't leave me with blue balls, blah, blah. You know, like he was like right. poking. So, okay, that made more sense. But in the movie, he was like, I have screenshots. And I'm like, okay, but like, there's no proof that that's that Simon is either one of those people. So like, I mean, and this and you as a writer and I as a writer, even though we might not go down that path, we understand that there are tools you use as a writer to get the story going. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I find my <laughs> no, I'm just like you. I do this all the time with movies and books. I go, why can't you go down this road? Because if I was there, I would have taken a logical conclusion to do this. But then the story doesn't move. So yeah, yeah, yeah. There, yeah. Okay, I get it. All right. <laughs> Grumble, grumble. But it's just, it's so well done in every other respect. And then you have this thing, and I'm just like... Mm. Well, look at it this way. The gay kid, Simon, even though Martin may have may have said, suggested this, or, or, or insinuated this, Simon has a way out. But as a gay, closeted kid, the first thing you think is, you never think I have a way out. Nobody yeah. ever thinks that as a gay teen. You think, oh my God, he caught me. Well, and the other thing is that in the movie, Blue came out first he was like hi i'm a student and i'm you know i'm not gonna give you my real name but i'm gay i'm a gay student and then everyone's like oh my god who's the closeted gay kid at school right you know right. whereas right. in the book he was like i wrote a post about on the tumblr about being lonely <laughs> and the tumblr the damn tumblr and simon was like oh i'm lonely too and then they started talking and then they felt each other out a little bit and then they came out to which you know what i mean it was like a gradual uh, but the, uh, interesting part about this movie um as a when you um, subject it to somebody who's from the 70s like I am, when you hold it up against that, we did not have chat rooms or any of this stuff to experiment with maybe talking about stuff. The interesting thing about gay kids these days is that they can maybe post something on Facebook that's not totally identifiable or have a false profile or false email or whatever mm -hmm. it allows them to get some of this stuff out. So I, I, I like that because that's very real about What's happening in the world now you can you can come out in quotes to the world without revealing who you are which, yeah for sure you know, yeah okay one last thing a change um something that i really liked in the book i liked it because it was uh it had tension was that at one point blue stops responding to simon and simon's like oh my he knows who i am and he's not writing anymore because he doesn't like me Simon he liked Jacques he doesn't like Simon and how hurtful that is and how once once they know the real you he's it's a rejection um right. that didn't happen in the in the movie at all but I I just it was really powerful because uh I don't know if you ever did a secret admirer thing but like you know or <laughs> or or you have those things like once somebody gets to know the real me they're not going to like me anymore they're going to reject oh, me yeah. and so like you know, it's one thing that... And that's the risk that every LGBTQ mm -hmm. kid takes when they reveal any part of themselves, even if it's on an online thing or in a, a written letter in the old days like we used to do. Yeah, the point is, um, you're revealing yourself and you're risking everything you have. So, 
Yeah, I just, it was so well done in the book, that sense of like, oh my God, he doesn't actually like me. He liked who I was on the internet, but now he knows right. that it's, oh God, I know. I really, really, really liked that. But all of that is cloaked in the in the fact that you're closeted and mm-hmm. you're judging the reaction of somebody else by the fact that you're closeted. So yeah, it's, it's confusing on all levels. Yeah, so very well done. Okay, do you have any final thoughts or... I would highly recommend the book, and I'm with you. I would recommend the movie, too. Yeah. Um, I think they're both really good. For sure. They're totally both totally worth my time and your time and everyone's time. Absolutely. Totally worth it. Yes. (laughs) And check out the Tumblr whenever you get the chance, please. (laughs) And we need more stuff like this. I think we need more happy, you know, romance that are just, you know, rom-com, gay rom-coms that are just... Just and that, that was the thing about the movie Love, Simon. It was the first kind of rom-com, especially teenage, teenage. Yeah, it was. LGBTQ movie that was around, and it was a big hit. It was, a, it was a major milestone, I think. Yeah, no, it's a big, big deal. So, hooray! Well, thank you so much for being here again, Chris, and um, yeah. <laughs> so happy Pride to everybody. Happy Pride. Yeah, this um, should come out in the first weekend of June. Well, no, not really. I yeah, yeah, the first weekend of June. So, Pride. It's Pride. Happy Pride Month. And um, I know that we're not doing Pride parades this year, and we're not doing Pride festivals, and we're not doing Pride parties the same way because of the COVID. But, um, the COVID. But... The COVID. <laughs> TC, as I like to call it. <laughs> That's what the kids are calling it. Uh, the kids are calling it. Those wacky kids. But I'm sh- there are ways to celebrate and ways to build community and be with your community. Zoom things and video things and movie things and reaching out and all sorts of stuff. So you're not alone. And Pride will be back because... It's- because it's pride. It's not going to be Yeah, and a lot of people are doing, like Kaylee said, virtual pride. I just want to remind people that the purpose of pride, the initial purpose of pride, was to memorialize the Stonewall riots in 1969. The first pride parade was in 1970. But And there may come a day where there are no, no longer pride parades. That may happen, which I have thoughts on either side about. The point is, if we can't have a pride parade, which this year we can't, be proud every day of your life right you don't you don't have to save it for one day you can exactly be proud all the time and i would say if you if you're out in the world and you hear people doing um uh saying uh, lgbtq negative jokes or negative comments you know comment on it if it's a safe zone for you talk back and tell these people even if you don't come out as a gay person when you say that you really shouldn't be saying that about this person defend this person um and where it's safe be a gay person. I, you know, it took me, even though I'm an activist in Fresno, it took me many, many, many years, way before my husband, to say in the grocery store when they ask, what, am you, what are you making for dinner when I have pasta and sauce and everything? What are you making for your wife? And I say, well, I'm making spaghetti for my husband. Those little kind of things, those comments change the world. So I, I urge all of you to make whatever is safe in your world, to make those little comments and to make those little changes and to reach out to people so we can so we can all change the world. Okay, don't go anywhere. I'm going to leave it recording. I have to show you something. So don't okay. don't move. I'll be right back. Oh, my God. Oh, hey, I love that. Where'd you get that? Uh, a friend made it for me. Ah! Wow, I have several. I don't have one like that. I have, like, an Avengers one, and I have a Star Wars one, but I don't have one like that. So 
audience, I'm all muffled now because I'm wearing a mask. I'm going to take it off. Ugh. But it is a rainbow mask. <laughs> I want you to know that even though you were masked up, we could perfectly hear you, Kaylee. And what did that say about your voice? I'm just saying. <laughs> My voice can go through fabric. Exactly. Yes. No, isn't that cute? I have a rainbow mask. I love that. That I love. Um, thank you to my, my friends in the Buffering the Vampire Slayer community. I, I posted, I was like, if I'm going to have to go out in public, I want to do it as gay as possible. And uh, somebody, a friend sent me this. So I'm super stoked. Yeah, and maybe, and maybe you don't have to say anything in public. You don't have to come out against people who are saying anti-LGBTQ jokes at a bus stop or whatever it is. Maybe you just wear a rainbow bracelet. Um, maybe you, yeah, Kaylee has got one on. Maybe you wear rainbow glasses. Maybe you do anything at all. Maybe you just support somebody that, that needs to be supported in the moment privately. You go up to them privately and you say, I understand what you're going through and I'm here to support you. But the point is that all of us as LGBTQ people just have to support each other and not just each other in the community, but we have to say things to the straight quote unquote community when it's necessary to let them know that we're here and we're going to be vocal, and, and we need rights. Yeah, definitely. I think that's the perfect way to end it. So thank you again for, for being here. Thank you for reading this. with. I'm so glad that you picked this. It was light and good and perfect because um, the last one that I did was Black Hawk Down, and I really needed a pick-me-up. Oh, <laughs> talk about the opposite end of the spectrum there. Yep. <laughs> and next week, or two weeks, um, it will be Mary Poppins. <laughs> so Yay! Keeping it light and fluffy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thank you for having me. I had a really good time. So Pages and Popcorn Podcast is brought to you today, fellow listeners, by um, our patrons. So if you would like to be a patron and support us at $1 a month or 5 if you're feeling especially generous, or heck, man, you want to send me a check for 20 bucks, I'll take it. You can find us at Pages and Popcorn Podcast at Patreon.com, and all of our patrons get the episodes as soon as they're available, so sometimes that is like a week and a half early, sometimes that is um, six hours before everybody else, but you never know. And also, we're going to have some supplemental stuff coming up, including, um, because of the Mary Poppins, there's going to be a special supplemental episode that is dealing with the Mary Poppins Returns and the Saving Mr. Banks, so that is only going to be available for our supplemental, yeah for our patrons. So you want to hear us talk about that and you want to hear Jennifer and I talk um, more about Mary Poppins, definitely sign up as a patron. And um, yeah, so thank you so much and everyone stay safe out there and happy pride. Happy pride. <laughs>